Amen. Good morning. It's good to see all of you here today in the Lord's house, and I am so delighted that you've chosen to be with us today. I want to ask you a question as we begin this morning, and the question is this. Are people easy to love? Some of you say, uh, no, not at all. Uh, well, l- let, me, let me help you back up just a minute and think about this. When you became a Christian and you committed your life to Jesus Christ, the commands that he gave to the disciples, the twelve that walked with him, were also a command that is also meant for us as well. So whatever Jesus applied to them, he's also applied to our lives as well. And so one of the things that we, have, we get to do is, I've never t- I always tell my girls, you don't have to do this, you get to do it. And you get to do this, it's a, it's a command that Jesus gave to his disciples. I want you to listen to what he said. And sometimes this is really hard to do. But here's what he said in John 13, 34, and 35. He says, I give you a new command. What's the new command? Three words. Love one another. Love one another. Now, just look at each other. Oh, I don't mean look at me. Look at each other. Aren't you seeing some really pretty good looking folks out there? Some of you are not looking at one another. <laughs> well, what if you looked at one another and said, you know, I, I love you, and I love you, and I love you, and, and you give them a hug, and you say, but you don't know that person like I know that person. That doesn't make any difference. The Scripture says you are to love one another. That's Jesus' words. We don't have an option in this, folks. What do you want a prospective pastor to think when he comes to this church and he comes and you have a call, and that will happen someday in time. I don't know when, but it will happen. And, and you come in, if you turn like this from one another, and you don't demonstrate a love towards one another, he may think, boy, there's a lot of work to do here. He might. Or he might say, some of you need to start loving one another and, and start looking like you love one another instead of doing this stuff. You know, the worst thing in the world a church can do is be known for fighting. Now, I'm not saying you fight. I'm not saying it at all. But the truth is, there are people in churches all over our land that have differences of opinion about what they ought to be doing, what they shouldn't be doing. And some of them let it be known. That makes others kind of get a little contentious. And all of a sudden, before you know it, heads are budding, and you're not loving one another. And Jesus said, love one What? Another. Love one another. Now let me finish the rest of what he says here. I give you a new command. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you must also love one another. And then he says there's a byproduct of your loving one another. The byproduct is this. This is what you get when you do this. He says this in verse 35. By this, by your loving one another, all people will know that you are truly my disciples. And if you have love for one another, that's how people are going to know. That you're my disciples. So if people were given a questionnaire in Springfield, Missouri, and they said, National Heights Baptist Church, here's a questionnaire. Do those people love one another? What do you think they would say? Ouch. Or, well, they, they must love one another because they have the doors open time and they're helping people. And, you know, some people view things by how you treat Not only yourselves, but other people. And one of the greatest difficulties that I find in Scripture is what Jesus said right here. Love one another. Now, he's talking to Christians. 
He's not talking to those who don't know Him personally. He's saying, you as Christians, set the example. You set the bar high. You love one another so that all people will know that you are really, truly my disciples. And that's what interests people because the byproduct of that is they know it, they see it, and they begin to want what you have. And then you get to bear testimony. And the time comes you get to share. Oh, it works so well if we could just do that. But let me give an example of not loving others, even though they're not Christians. And this has happened to you. It's happened to me. You've, you, you've waited patiently. You've got your signal on. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna pull into the parking lot. You're going to take this parking spot. And somebody zooms in right in front of you and takes that spot and slams the car door and gets out and runs in the store. And you sit there and say, bless your heart. <laughs> Is that what you say? Or do you say in your mind, boy, I'd like to get even I'm going to go take the valve stems out of your tires and see what you get when you come back. I'm going to sit there and watch you. I don't think that's godly love for brothers and sisters. Do you? See, it's not about what we think we deserve. It's about doing what Jesus said. And so it sometimes gets hard when we have these crazy things happen to us. Now, the good news is I haven't even got into the message yet. I'm just giving you some... Some stuff to think about before we get into it. So, if you'll take your Bibles and turn to Romans 13, we're going to look at Romans 13, verses 8 through 14. If you'll take that, open your Bible, find it, and then would you stand, and let's honor God's Word by standing together as we as I read it together with you. Would you listen, please, in Romans chapter 8, I'm sorry, 13, verses beginning with verse 8. And here's what he says. And, and Paul is saying... This is your primary duty as a Christian. This is your duty. It's my duty. It is the duty of every one of us to do this. Here it is. He says, do not owe anyone anything except to, what's the words? Love one another. Say it with me. Love one another. Look at your neighbor and say, love one another. Yeah, there you go. Was that hard? Get used to it. It's going to get better. Here we go. <laughs> to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. And then he goes into commandments. Now there are, he's referring back to the Ten Commandments here as he starts to cite these. But he's not given all commandments, but he gives basically three. I think it's because these three are most predominant in our society. And here's what he says. The commandments, do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Not three, there's four, excuse me. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, he says. And if there is any other commandment, all are summed up by this. Love your neighbor as what? Yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. And then he goes on and finishes up. Put on Christ. In verse 11 he says, But besides this, knowing the time, it is already the hour for you to wake up from your sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. The night is nearly over. The daylight is near. So let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk with decency as in the daylight, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling, not in jealousy. Did anybody in here quarrel? Anybody in here jealous? Anybody willing to admit it? I am. He says, don't do those things. But, he says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no plans to satisfy the fleshly desires. Boy, that is a mouthful if I ever heard it. And it's some, it is difficult to keep this, but brothers and sisters, that's what God called us to do. So we ought to love one another. Would you agree? Amen. All right, so I'm going to challenge you a little bit more. Before we sit down, let's pray. 
Father, we uh, want to say thank you for what your word has to say to us today. And I pray we might listen to your word. I pray we might apply it to our life. And as difficult as it is, Father, because we're human beings that we are, we get ourselves in the way so many times and mess up, but yet you're willing to forgive. And Father, I pray today you'd help us as we look at what your word has to say to us. And thank you for Paul listening to you and writing this down and challenging us through the Holy Spirit of God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you be seated? Well, I tell you what, I, I, uh, I've been so disappointed by what's been going on around our world. I've been so disappointed in COVID and, and all the stuff that's going on with COVID and the disease and all that kind of stuff that's going on. Uh, I, I thought about this specific passage when Jesus talked about you're to love one another. He's talking about from the standpoint that we are to love each other. We are to love each other, but we're also to love other people. I want to tell you, it's going to be hard for me. If I had to face a person who was a Taliban person, I would have a hard time loving that person. I'll just admit it. I would. How about you? But the problem is, God didn't call me to ask me if I liked them or not. He said, you love them just as I love you. Show them who God really is. And boy, I tell you, it's difficult. So in Jesus' day, just like in our day, there are lots of problems going on in the world in Jesus' day. When Jesus spoke those words, the civilization in the Western world by that time was split. It was really split. There was a great divide there. Now, let me tell you what I mean by that. There was a difference in languages. There was a difference in religion. There was a difference in the world. They had people who were very educated, those who were uneducated. Do we have that in our world today? Absolutely we do. They had slaves. They had a master over slaves. They had barbarians who were people who were cutting up people and doing all kinds of bad things to people. They had, then they had the Greeks who were the higher nobility. They had men and women. And listen, women in their day and time really didn't have rights. Women in their time were looked down on. And if a woman lost a husband, then she was kind of out on her own. And at the, you know, she was an outcast. It just, it was well, not a good time. And they stood, if you, if you think about it, uh, you think about all those things, all these hostilities going on, it's like there's one group over here and one group over here. Those who had, those who did not have. That's the way our world is today, a lot like that. But as the years came and went and Christianity began to spread, there was something that happened. Those barbarians, the Scythians, the bond of the free, the male of the female, the Jews the Greeks, those educated and uneducated, they began to clasp hands together because what, what had divided them, the world and the, their positions, was abolished by Christ who died for them. And He reached out and joined all their hands together. They all came together. It made no difference who they were or where they had been or what they had done. They loved one another because they were in Christ. And that's the only way it could happen because they were in Christ. I can tell you, from my human standpoint, I can't love people that are unlovely unless God is helping me in my heart to love those who are unlovely. I have a hard time. Now, I'm just telling you, nobody's perfect. And if we would admit it, it's just really hard. Last, Not last Sunday, but two Sundays ago when I was here, there was uh, some folks out here who had some very unfortunate circumstances, I'm sure, happened in their life. I don't know why they got to the point they were in life, but I know that things were not good. Everything they had was in the car. The car looked like it was destroyed. Their, their vehicle they slept in, it was hard. But, you know, the truth is, those people need Jesus just as much as I needed Jesus. 
And I want to tell you, sometimes it's hard to love folks when they're in a position you think they should know better now. I've heard people say, well, they know better than that. They could do better than that. This is America. They could live better. Listen, folks, no matter what their circumstance was or how they got there, that's not the attitude we should take towards those folks. Now, let me be careful to say, I didn't hear anybody here say that about them. I didn't hear that. But I know there was an attitude of how can we help them. Rob and others, and Rob be embarrassed to mention that, but I know that there were some that went out to see if they could help. Listen, the, the command by Jesus to love one another shouldn't be that hard as Christians. Have you ever heard two Christians get in an argument and have a fight? Does that look good? Looks like two little two-year-old kids just can't seem to get along. And folks... If you've ever watched two-year-olds fight over stuff, it's just not very pleasant. Don't be a two-year-old. I guess I shouldn't. Am I stepping on somebody's toes here? I'm sorry, but don't be. And if you're two years old, I'm sorry. <laughs> Literally, if you're two, chronologically, if you're two years old, I don't, I don't mean that bad about you. But sometimes, why is it because we criticize two-year-olds? Because they always want their way. They want their thing. You got to listen to me. You got to do it my way. You know, they're, they're, I want gimme, gimme, gimme. Listen, the preference that you may have, and I even heard that mentioned today, the word preference. Preferences you have may not be the preference that God has. We need to begin to listen to what God says instead of what we think. So here, here's this world, they, this world they lived in, the disciples and Jesus. The world still had sorcery, uh, you know, bad stuff that was going on. They had conspiracies. And do we have sorcery conspiracies? In our world today, absolutely we do. They had all kinds of inamiable vices, uh, things that that people were were vice that that they were uh, skilled in that they were not going to give up, no matter what you might say. So here, in the midst of all that, Jesus tells them, I want to tell you, go out and love one another in the midst of this bad world. Just do it. In a community that was held together by love, not by geographical accidents or linguistic affinities, uh, or iron fetters of the conquerors, that community of love made a difference in the world. Listen, do you know what this world would be like if that community had loved one another and Jesus' word had not spread? You and I might not even be here today and be Christians today because they didn't go ahead and love one another, but they did. Jesus' first words to me are just very challenging. Um... There are a few people in the early church that lived up to that. I don't know how many. Do we have people today that are living up to that? That are loving others, just Jesus commanded? See, Jesus said, all men will, will know that you are my disciples. Will know. Okay, so I want to begin this, the rest of this section this morning by talk, talking to you about this. The call to love means to continually, continually love one another. Continually. That means that you can't just love Brian today because you see him on Sunday. But if you see him tomorrow, you've got to love on him too. If you see him Tuesday, you've got to love on him too. And vice versa, he has to love on you as well. Love one another. And you know what? I know that some days you wake up, things don't look all that bad. It's like the guy who said, who prayed and said, Lord, you know, so far today I haven't hit anybody. I haven't said bad anything about anybody. I, I haven't even said anything bad to my wife. But in about two minutes, I'm going to get out of bed. I need all the help I can get. You know, that, that's the way we are some days, you know. It's just kind of like that. So Paul says, Do not owe anyone anything except to love one another. For the one who loves 
one another has fulfilled this law. On the other hand, he's encouraged us to gather. In other words, don't have a debt to anybody. I shared first service. Citizen State Bank in Marshfield was a place I had a loan when I bought, got my first car. And I didn't necessarily like having a debt. But every time I go to town, I see that bank, I think, oh, I owe them money. Oh, I owe Now, if somebody, if you have somebody that's a debtor to you because they, they owe you money, you may not think a thing about it. But when they see you, they may all turn around and say, I owe them money. I just don't like that feeling. Do you like owing people money? Come on. Do you like owing people money? <laughs> no, nobody likes that. So what do you do with that? Well, you pay off the debt. But there's one thing that Paul says here that seems to kind of go against the grain of what we might think, and that is you have an ongoing debt of love to everyone that's a Christian. You can never stop saying that you love one another as long as you're on this earth. You are to love no one another, no what, no matter what. Now, I love so that every time you see a brother or sister, you need to say to yourself, I need to show him or her the love of Christ. Another way of saying this, I get to love them. I get to do this. Isn't that great? It's a privilege to do it. So we are, we are spiritual debtors in a true sense. We never get out of spiritual debt by loving others. That's what we should be doing. Paul concludes verse 8 with this. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. So how does loving one's neighbor fulfill the law? The Ten Commandments are, have two portions to them. They have what we call two tablets. There's the vertical portion, such as things as, you shall have no other gods before me. Uh, it's God only that you're going to worship. It's that. And then there's a second division, which is about human relationships. And that's where he comes up with these things that you're to love. He talks about don't commit adultery, don't murder. Don't, he has all these other things. So Jesus summed all this up with a comment out of Matthew 22, 37 through 40. And he said, this is important, the first and greatest commandment. What is the first and greatest commandment? Do you know what it is? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And he says, the second is likened to the first. Love your what? Neighbor as yourself. You see, it's impossible. This was talking about earlier. It's impossible for me to love my neighbors when I don't love God first. If I, don't, if I don't have a great love relationship with the Lord Jesus, and if I don't love God with all of my heart and every aspect of my, my, who I am, I can't possibly love you. Not the way that God wants me to. So I have to be careful to make sure that every aspect of my heart, my heart, soul, body, everything is given to God. Everything's given to God. Could it be this morning that as you said here, that God's been knocking at your heart's door and saying, there's some things I want you to give to me, but you've not been willing to do it. And he's saying, listen, if you really want to be able to, to take the command of Jesus and love others, you've got to give me all of your heart. Because I know some things are going to happen this week. And if you don't give me all your heart, you're not going to be able to love this person. God's so wise. He's so smart. We ought to be willing to say, God, what is it? And we ought to be willing to give up those things that are in our heart so that we can love like he wants us to. Now, Paul is pretty wise. He says to his readers that this vertical love of God, uh, they need to have that, that vertical love first to fulfill the law. He says, when we love our neighbors, we'll refrain from breaking the horizontal relational commands. Paul gives us this in verses 9 and 10. Commandments, don't commit adultery, don't murder, do not steal, do not covet. And whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule, love your neighbor as yourself. So when you love your neighbor, you're going to love your neighbor not looking at your neighbor to say, I'd like to commit adultery with that person. 
Because God's love would say perfectly, you don't love that person for that reason. You just don't go there. Our society today is full of adultery and stuff going on. And nobody, I don't believe in here, would disagree with that. Our society sees it all the time. But Paul's saying, perfect love of God will not allow you to even go down that road. It won't. Paul's also saying, perfect love with God will not allow you at all to hate your neighbor or want to murder your neighbor. It just won't let you do that. It won't want you, it won't let you covet your neighbor's property. There's a sense in which the love for our neighbor is more of an obvious measure of where we stand with God than our love for God Himself. So how you live your life, how you treat other people is, is really reflective of how much in love you are with God. Does that make sense? And so I'm telling you folks, we, we gotta understand that if we want the neighborhood, we want the world, we want Springfield to understand that National Heights is committed to God, you got to have Him first in everything you do, and He'll make everything else okay. See, our neighbors are not fooled by who we are. They can tell who we are by the, the way that we love or don't love people. The second thing, the call to love means to forsake enticements of the world. Paul doesn't view this horizontal love as a casual ma- manner. He sees it as being very urgent. And what do I mean by that? He says, besides this, knowing the time. The time. Now, we live in the last days. When Jesus left this earth, the last days began, and Jesus is going to come again. But there was a little bit of a discussion on this in our Sunday school class this morning. The fact that everybody's going to die. Everybody's appointed a time to die. And not only is that going to happen, there's going to be places that people go when you die. You're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. The Bible talks about that. In specifics, but while there is time on this earth, while there's time, do what you can do to love other people. Now, the word Greek word for time he uses is chronos, which is chronological calendar time, or kerios, which is the word he actually uses in the Greek here. Paul uses the word kerios, and to do this, know the time. He says, wake up. Don't you understand? We're in the last days. Wake up. Don't you know you may not have time to minister to your neighbor tomorrow? Wake up. Jesus could return at any moment. And the person that God wants you to minister to, you didn't. And they didn't get the chance to, to meet Jesus. And guess what? They're not coming to eternity. Don't miss the time that's right before you. He's saying, be aware. In other words, always treat people with care. Love on them. Love on their label. On their level. I, I shared with the first service, when Diane and I lived in, in Jefferson City, Missouri, we had a neighbor that lived right up the hill from us. And where we lived, we built a house there. It was a big open lot. And he used to walk his dog, a beagle, and, you know, he'd flip cigarettes down there and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, Diane had to remind me who I was in Christ. Because after we got the house built, when the storms would come and break the winds off the trees, he'd go out in his yard to pick up his sticks and throw them. I saw him do it. Throw them down in our yard. Love one another. And not only did that, he'd take his dog and walk his dog down there, and his dog would do his thing right in our yard. Love one another. But this happened constantly, and I got fed up with it. I'm a Christian. Diane reminded me, remember who you are. Remember whose you are. Remember what you're supposed to be doing. I said, Lord, what do I do? And it just, God gave me an idea. I know God gave it to me, but I had to humble myself to do it. There was a five-gallon bucket down under our back porch. And the next time it rained storms, he got me up and said, get your bucket and go pick up all his sticks. And I picked up every one of his in his yard. 
Every one of them, Lord, I don't like doing this. Lord, don't want to do this. I don't want... But, but God's saying, do you want to love your neighbor? Do this. I want you to know I'm not perfect. There's been other times that I could have really done some things I wish I hadn't done. But I kept picking up the sticks and finally dumping those. And then finally, after all it was over, one day I'm down by the creek and I'm cutting some brush. Had a chainsaw. And then I heard something. Or I sensed something. I turned around and here's Ted standing there, our neighbor, with a chainsaw. I was hoping he was going to help me cut the trees. That's what I was hoping. But you know, his comment was, can I help you? I said, sure. And we began to talk. He's a veteran. A lot of unfortunate things happened to him in his life. He needed help. If I had not listened to my wife and I decided to do it my way, I'd have been throwing sticks back in his yard. We'd have had a fight. There'd probably been a write-up in the paper about it. Who knows? God said, love one another. It's not a question of just loving people in a pew next to you. It's loving those who you might consider unlovely. The one who pulls in your parking space really bless their hearts and love on them anyway. Folks, we, we have to understand that the time is short. That's what Paul was talking about. He said there's urgency. Besides this, knowing the time, the hour has come for you to wake up from your sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. The night is nearly over. The daylight is near. So let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. He's simply saying, no matter what you have planned in life, no matter what direction you're headed, you need to understand that every second of every day counts. And when God puts somebody on your path, take time to love them, regardless of what your agenda is. Does that make sense? We can't not do that. It's not good English, but we can't not do that. The call to love means putting on Christ day after day, and this is the key. This is really the key. Paul tells us that there's something we must do to put off and something we must put on if we're going to succeed on loving on the level. So let's put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Paul is specific about the deeds of darkness to discard. And here's what he says. Let us walk with decency as in daylight, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy. So there should be no carousing and drunkenness. I think we understand what that means. And when others are doing that, we still need to be praying for and loving on them. We need to. Second, there's to be no sexual impurity and promiscuity. He says sexual morality is a Greek word which is implied and translated bed. And the word promiscuity rendered here is debauchery. It's the ugliest word in the Greek language. And it describes one who is not only given to immorality, but is incapable of feeling shame because of their immorality. That's a terrible place to be. So he says, abstain from all of this. And he said, there's a prescription, a way to abstain from all this. Listen, I think that the real issue here is that when he said, put on Christ Jesus the Lord, he's trying to say, unless you put on Jesus Christ the Lord, unless you let Jesus work in your heart and life every day that you live, if you don't do that, you're going to be subject to these things that he was just saying, stay away from. They will come and get you, and you won't even believe that's happening, but it's there. Listen, don't think that you can't be tempted. Because you can. So Paul moves on to 14, verse 14. That's where he says, You put on Jesus Christ and make no plans to satisfy the fleshly desires. Galatians 3.27 says, For all of you who are baptized into Christ Jesus have been clothed with Christ. 
But Romans says, practical day-to-day, repeatedly put on Christ. Ray Stedman gives this illustration. He says, when I get up in the morning, I put on my clothes, intending them to be a part of me all day, to go where I go and to do what I do. They cover me and make me presentable to others. That's the purpose of my clothes. In the same way, the apostle saying, put on Jesus Christ when you get up in the morning. Make him a part of that day. Be intentional. Make sure that Jesus goes with you wherever you go. And he, and, and he acts through you and everything you do. Live your life in Christ is what he's saying. So Paul emphasizes that it is the Lord Jesus Christ that we put on. We bow to the Lordship of Jesus is what we do. Because he's king or he's not king at all. Last thing, I'll just share this with you and these thoughts. In 1 John 4.19 it says, We love because he first loved us. See, God's love was brought to us in Christ. It's poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And the best thing we do do is return it back to God. That's the best thing we do. His great love is the source of our motivation of love. John 3.16 says, and you know it, For God so what? Loved the world that He gave His only what? Begotten Son. That whosoever believes in Him should not what? Perish, but have everlasting life. And John 3.17 says this, that Jesus came to redeem, not to condemn. That's a condensed version, but that's really what it says. And John 3.18 says, For those who have not believed my only Son, for those who have believed my only Son are not condemned, but those who have not believed in Him are condemned already. Listen, God loves us. He wants us to share His love with others. He wants others to understand they don't have to be condemned. They can have eternal life. And that's part of what loving is. That's why Jesus said we're to love as He loved us. Listen, would you enlarge your definition of neighbor to be something like this? My neighbor is not necessarily someone like me. It is any person that God has put in my path whom I can help. There are a lot of people who are not like me, and that's probably a really good thing. It really is. But there are a lot of people that God put in my path that I can say a good word to. I can encourage them. I can pray for them. I can help them. And we need to remember this. It's later than it ever has been before. God's given you opportunity, going to give you opportunity this week to love on each other, but He's going to give you opportunity to love on the unlovely. Don't miss the opportunity. Take it and run with it and share Jesus with those who need to know. Will you do it? I hope so. Would you stand and let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to this time of invitation, it's, it's your invitation. It's not mine. It's yours. And God, you made each one of us who are in this building. Your scripture testifies that we're, you formed us in our mother's wombs. They were wonderfully and fearfully made. And, and Lord, it was your plan to put us here on this earth. And, and part of the plan was, Lord, for our lives to be lives that are given back to you, that we voluntarily give our life back to you so that you can live through us. And so that we can glorify you by sharing what Jesus has done for us. So, Father, today, if there is one person here in this place, just one, maybe two, but if there's just one, 
that has never given their heart to Jesus Christ, who has said, I'm going to do it my way. I don't need you. No, thank you, Lord. I'm, I can, I'm good. No problem. Help them to see the error of their way, that they need Jesus. They need to be in Christ. And Lord, would you help them to give up and come to you today? Father, if there are others in this place that have mistreated others that are Christian brothers and sisters, and they need to get that straightened out, would you help them to go even today and to make it right and to love on one another? And then, Father, as we go today from this place, there will be people we're going to encounter even this week, and I'm sure that you've planned a path for us to take to meet these folks Lord, help us to love on them. Even if they're unlovely, help us to love them. Father, as we begin this invitation in just a moment, call people to their knees to pray. You be the one that directs. You be the one that prompts people to move. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that guides us and leads us. Thank you for this church and this place. Thank you for the pastor you're going to have coming here uh, sometime later. Whoever it is, Lord, prepare his heart as well. And Lord, we thank you. We love you. And thank you for dying and sending Jesus down across for us. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we sing, if you need to come and pray, if you need to come talk to Brian, I'll be down here as well. You come. Do whatever God's prompting you to do. And do what Jesus said. Love one another. Let's sing.